Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. We have no standards. You're watching a cage fight, you barbaric loser. (laughs) Pete. So I just Googled calf cow recruiting just to see if there were any examples of that. And I got an article from from Beef Magazine. Treat your cows like five star recruits. And SI's Pat Forty. Oh, the swim paparazzi relentless. You know, just (laughs) and here's Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. Hope everyone is doing well. We are uh, entering important time for sports in America. And uh, we're not expecting a lot of college football news on this, decisions at least until the end of the month when the ACC, SEC, Big 12 are going to make a call on the season, uh, at least whether they're going to scale back or not. I certainly do not think that uh, you guys can jump in and correct me if you're wrong, but I don't don't think it's going to be a dramatic, maybe non-conference goes, maybe it doesn't. I think this is going to carry in into August on decision-making and things like that. But what we have coming forward here in the next two weeks is Major League Baseball and their plan uh, going live. They're already doing these interleague or little games, exhibition games. You see this stuff? They had uh, they had the social distance dugout. You sit in like the, the stands. The guy's got to sit in the stands under a tent. Got Pretty plenty funny. of room to spread them out. Pretty room, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw... I think it was Wrigley Field did a guess the attendance. <laughs> it's like 100, uh, 160 people or, or 40,000 or whatever they usually fit. Guys are wearing masks at the plate. I mean, that's kind of intimidating. Imagine that. Yeah. The masked men. This could be this could be something like in pro wrestling. <laughs> Parts <laughs> unknown. Weight unknown. The mask, you know, like. <laughs> You already got you got a batting helmet. You got the armor they wear now too on the arms and stuff and the leg and everything. And now you got you're gonna add a mask to the matter too. They're doing it. Uh, NBA is in full quarantine. They are in the bubble. Uh, lots of reports from the bubble. They're gonna try to get going in the next couple of weeks. The National Hockey League, the other major team sport out there, is preparing to enter their multiple bubbles. They have a Toronto bubble and an Edmonton bubble. Do you care which one you go to? If you're in a bubble, does it matter? <laughs> so all of a sudden, Edmonton sound good. I don't know. I just think you're going to have a better hotel in Toronto, right? You might. <laughs> like, I got to say, the biggest news to come out of the NHL recently is their decision to put the broadcasts on a five-second delay. I, I, I don't think college football needs to follow this. I want, I want to hear some cussing on the sidelines. They, they looked at the soccer leagues with some F-bombs flying, and they don't want to do it. But I hope football doesn't follow hockey there. Yeah, I would do not want this. They don't do that in the UFC, I can tell you that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the hockey players so swear it in Russian and Latvia and all. I mean, come on. <laughs> Stony to try to protect everybody's dainty ears from what actually happens on the field. That's just silly. Come on. We're watching a hockey game here. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is why the UFC is the best. They just own it. Yeah. We have no standards. You're watching a cage fight, you barbaric <laughs> loser. Not only that, you paid us 70 bucks to watch this thing. Of course, you're going to swear in the post game. Yeah. Pre during this isn't the game, professional what? hopscotch. Like, I know. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm 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 just uh, expecting much better decency out of my cage <laughs> fighting. Anyway, 
this is the next level. Okay. We got, we got the UFC. We got NASCAR. We got golf back. We got some of these. MLS is going. This thing seems to be working, but I have I cannot figure I don't have the time to try to figure out the MLS. Okay. It'd be like a newcomer trying to learn college basketball. It'd be too much. Yeah. It's like 330 teams. It's like 80 teams are in this some kind of crazy tournament that need a damn abacus to figure out what's going on. I don't know. I don't care. There's just these random soccer games on all day long. Did you hear MLS? Sankey in that SEC interview, just like in his like classic Sankey monotone, go, I've watched more MLS in the last week than I have ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about like scouting the bubble. It was just like the perfect like dig. I'll let Sankey watch it for me. Yeah. yeah. I want to watch MLS. I just don't have time to figure it out. No. So you think Sankey'd be busy, too, too busy to be watching the MLS? You would think. Uh, he just wants to see how it look, looks and works. Empty stadium. Yeah. He's he's big on like let's let's learn and watch from everyone else. It's like the so. field behind where the NBA is playing. Like, yeah. One of my daughters had a soccer tournament down there in February. It's like the same field. Like really? All right. Uh, Why are they playing outdoors in Orlando in the middle of July? Uh, God. That's Are they at risk of question. tripping over randomly discarded Bush light cans, Dan? Could from be. you attending your Might daughter's soccer few. games. <laughs> Our team was Bush light not, apple. <laughs> we did not win the championship that weekend, but we certainly, you know, they're over at the uh, Fairfield Inn and Suites in uh, Kissimmee. <laughs> Might still be some empties <laughs> by the pool. Uh, not I don't know Fairfield where they're. I don't know Kissimmee. what the MLS bubble is, but it's probably not as nice as the. The NBA uh, bubble. It's probably not the NBA bubble, but it's probably also not the Fairfield Inn in Kissimmee. I'm going to go with that. And then the, the NFL. Uh, so this is basically the NFL is is coming up with different things. Are we going to have one preseason game? Two? I don't know. They have finally come to agreement. They're going to COVID test daily. It's the players wanted. That's going to be costly. So look, what happens the next couple of weeks is going to be big. You know what? Are we, what are we going to have here? And I. I, I what do you think works? What's your definition of working? That's, you know, that's the big question for college football. Is it one guy gets sick? We, we got to shut things down. Is it 10? We, do, I, I still not sure. There's been some guidance from the NCA, but do we have to listen? When, when have we ever listened to those guys? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. NFL, I feel like is just going to try to plow through this sucker and go. I think the NBA will work. I think the NHL will probably work. A, they're going in a bubble, and B, they're going where there's no disease. That's pretty sharp. Like, hell, let's go. Northern uh, Alberta. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. College football doesn't have that luxury. And so we're not pessimistic here. We're not optimistic. We're realistic. Trying to give you the real thing. If you're too sensitive, too snowflakey, you can't hear that this could possibly be played or that it could possibly not. Then go find another podcast. We're here to break it to you. Tell you the truth. I mean, I can't stand anyone who sits there and says, well, the NBA is playing. College football should be playing. Or the people who run college football are just wusses. Like, it's two totally different op operations. <laughs> Completely different. The NBA has 22 teams, 30 guys per traveling party. That's it. There's obviously another. That's 660. A lot of these teams will be gone in the first month. There's obviously additional media and all that. They're spending over $150 million just for this. College football, 660 people is, is like three or four college football teams if you're taking their whole travel party. I mean, it just ain't going to work. So what are your thoughts on where we're at, what you're hoping to see in the next couple of weeks? And, and more importantly, what is the definition of works? Because I am neither sitting here telling you, I guarantee you this should go or everyone's horrible. And I'm not sitting there saying there's no chance because I think we're going to try. But what? Where are we in the middle here? Well, Dan, I think the the definition of work is 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 fairly clear to me. It's not starting; it's finishing. Now, it's in in it's finishing in college football. Ultimately, the season works if it finishes with the college football playoff being played because that's a couple hundred million dollar sweetener for a sport just dying for revenue right now. You got sports getting caught left and right. You have furloughs happening everywhere. So if you can design some semblance of a season, does eight games, 10 games, nine plus one, everyone to do it, and you can design it safely enough to have 
and and forget the other bulls. No offense. You just need a playoff. That's really what is going to be the that that's really going to be the important thing here. If you can design it and have it be completed and have four teams emerge for a playoff, or if you're feeling frisky, you can have a New Year's Six to fulfill the contractual obligations because the playoff TV contract is not just the playoff. It's all the other stuff sort of roped in. If you can do that, then I would say it works. Now, I don't care if it works in the fall. I don't care if it works in the winter. I don't care if it works in the spring. But, like, you have a multi-billion dollar industry hanging on the work part of this, meaning the season is completed in some form. Yeah, there's no doubt that the payoff would be at the end, and that's the literal and figurative payoff would be then. I think there, there's so much to answer about whether things will work well enough to even start. You know, do we get to that point? And that's why, Dan, that's why you brought up all this, is because I think these next couple of weeks, everybody is like Greg Sankey sitting out there watching, okay, how's the NFL doing? How's the NBA doing? How's MLB doing? How are our full scale workouts on campus going and then you factor in okay what happens when we bring in tens of thousands of narps non-athletic regular people to campus uh the, the student body to you know completely complicate everything there's all those factors have got to go into it then we can all right can we start when are we starting are we starting labor day weekend are we starting september 19th are we starting october 1st and then, yeah, what what constitutes working from that point? Can we play a sustained season going through it? And one of the things that came out of the NCAA guidelines and the Power Five guidelines was both the potential for a 14-day quarantine if a player tests positive for anybody who came in close contact with that player in a high-risk sport like football. And that could paralyze everything. You know, that take that could take out two teams for two weeks. Texas A&M plays Mississippi State or something on September 19th. And a running bagel, Kellen Mond, comes out of the game testing positive, And he ran the ball 23 times and was tackled by these different guys. And he threw it. And he was in the huddle. And he was on the sideline. All those sorts of things. If, if you take all those people out, Texas A&M isn't playing for two weeks and Mississippi State isn't playing for two weeks. And can you run a season that way? That's the that's that's a question of what works. If, if that's the standard and I know the NCAA's guidance is that, but then, yeah, this isn't really going to happen. I, I mean, that's just one test takes out a team. I mean, locker room bus. I mean, I guess maybe you can be like, hey, the you know, it was the punter. <laughs> and the <laughs> offensive line wasn't near the punter, but that stuff to me, that can't be the standard because it just it, it, don't it, mock the it, punter. He lives with the kicker and the holder and the long that's snapper. True. Like that's, that's true. Like that's like that's you can't just invent those guys. Now look, they're not as rare as three techniques, but you're finding the best high school soccer player in your student body, like that who isn't on the team, to all of a sudden like get drafted oh. to kick against LSU. No, no, Saturday. no, you can't. But that's the thing; they're all together and. Uh, you know, it's just that's just they're going to come in and they're going to come into contact with someone. I, one of the things like we made we made this joke last week about the college kids saying, well, I won't go to a party. Well, what's a party? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. if you had like, OK, let's just put it this way. If you walk up to a dorm room and there's six dudes in there all playing video games, eating pizza, you don't think of that as a party. That's right. just Tuesday. But if you're married or you got it, you know, you have six guys over your house and pizza and everyone sits around the living room. Your wife's going to think or your husband. That's a party. Yeah. Right. Like hey, it may not. <laughs> they don't, it's not a party. A party's like 400 people in the basement of a fraternity. Yeah. Right, that might be. No, everything's a party at college. That's yeah. that's that's it. Right. So how are you going to how are you going to handle this? And the, and the, the range like. I, I, I wanted to tip my cap to West Virginia for a bold move in the Fauci Cup last week. 28 <laughs> players. Yeah. Strong Mountaineers effort by the Mountaineers. Coming in a little late. Like they're, you know, but they're, no, good effort. Good effort. Yeah. 28 Gordon strong. Gordon straightening his bow tie saying, don't forget about us. <laughs> yeah. Second half team, apparently. <laughs> Take me home, country road. Uh, but then... <laughs> Notre Dame keeps coming up with nothing. Yeah. What are they doing? Like Notre Dame is as clean as a whistle over there. They're eating broccoli and stuff. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Notre Dame is tanking the Fauci Cup. They're tanking, <laughs> yeah. Last place in the Fauci yeah. Cup. 
West yeah. Virginia went through that thing like, man, forget <laughs> it. I don't know what happened. It, it, the disparity is going to be ridiculous. I, if it's one guy, yeah, this isn't going to work. But they've they've got to come up with a little better number than that. They got to have some kind of risk, or else don't don't try. Because to start with that, I mean, it, it's implausible to me that Notre Dame's you got zero. Good job. Yeah, I don't know how you're doing it, but I they've guess been, what they've it's been not going to keep it for Camp Dan or for this period. They've been in a hotel. Yeah, they 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 essentially in a way have been uh, ha- have been quarantined. The, the issue with college is camp can be a lot like being quarantined. The, the problem is like right when you need the players to be healthy the most, you have tens of thousands of other students going back to where they're all living. And that's just the the one thing I can't wrap my my mind around. But to, to go back to the contact tracing quickly, the NFL contact tracing is essentially two days with frequent testing for everybody who's been in contact. So interesting, two days and two weeks is just significant and crucial. And you guys can, can, can disagree with this, but I don't think the mechanics are in place in college because of the leadership void at the NCA, which has suggested two weeks, and most people have followed, to state guidelines, to county guidelines, to local guidelines, to presidential oversight, to ADs, to liability, liability, liability. I don't see 14 moving to single digits anytime in the near future to make the college season more tenable. Like that's that's an that speaks to what Dan very wisely said early on in this, like the the long odds of college football being played. College football has always had the longest odds of being played. And it's reasons like this. You have this geographic disparity. You have no one in charge. The virus is raging in Florida and it's vacant in Wyoming. But everybody's going to play under the same set of rules. But if there's one rule that's really going to be critical for to impede college football going forward, it's where the contact tracing is right now, and the in the in the inherent difficulty of changing that. And it's not going to be any contract. Like, what what hotel is West Virginia staying in where they got twenty eight of them? That's not a very good hotel. <laughs> the, the the lodge. What's your lodge that we've talked about on here? Oh, the, the uh, oh, yeah, Great the, Wolf the Great Lodge. Wolf Lodge. Great Wolf Lodge. <laughs> they might <laughs> Thank be. Thank you. Thank you. They're in the Great Wolf Lodge, Morgantown. I bet there is one. <laughs> there might be. I, they. I mean. You know. The Great the Wolf Federal Lodge is a pretty gritty place, but I don't even think Morgantown's aspirational enough for that. <laughs> they got a they got a federal prison in Morgantown. I think they got a lower rate than the West Virginia football team over there. I mean, uh, yeah, don't go to the Great Wolf Lodge. Uh, but look, I just quickly and I'll go to Pat. Like the NFL is going to the NFL's owners. The NFL is a nine billion dollar business and their owners own the country. Man, they got all the money. And they were balking at giving daily tests. Like yeah. the, the, the players had to raise hell and is a big, huge union fight. And they didn't want to do daily testing because they're like, it's going to be too expensive. And something's too expensive for the NFL. It's really expensive. So yeah. this is where they just caved you know, on that Monday afternoon, by the way. Dan. Yeah, no, just, they're going to do yeah, it. Just, yeah, they're going to yeah, just mm-hmm. just happen. But, yeah. but they fought it because well. they're like, nah, we don't want it. We, well, you know, so how, how are you going to afford it? And then how do you afford? You can't just test. The football players, unless the NCAA cancels the seasons, these other seasons, you have to test all the teams. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the New York Giants only care about the New York Giants. So yeah. everyone's got to stay at the Great Wolf Lodge, I guess. <laughs> but that, that's the problem is, yeah, that, that you've got on, on every campus, you have 16 to 30 some teams and you have this you know what what we have seen this precipitously declining revenue curve where they are losing money left and right with then the added expense curve of we're going to test everybody a lot and it's going to be hundreds of athletes in dozens of sports and that's a bad calculus for a lot of these athletic directors that's why they're looking trying to figure out how you possibly make this thing work. I think they have to commit to the testing because you have to, first of all, you got to be healthy and you got to be safe. And secondly, they, they've got to do whatever they can to have a football season because they need the money. And the, the big thing about testing that, that shouldn't be understated is right now in these places where the virus is raging, you can't get tests back in a, in oh, a short period of time. That is so, so like, true. And quite frankly, the backup left guard at Florida shouldn't be having tests over someone who, you know, like if someone asymptomatic shouldn't be having tests over folks who are in the, right in the thick in the crosshairs, including like yeah. healthcare workers, frontline workers, et cetera. So wait, now the wait, NFL's- wait, wait, this is college football. This is important. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course they should. We don't care about these frontline medical workers. It's a too deep to be had. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really think, and we we said some version of this on the show here, like I am skeptical of college football in the fall until daily testing at an efficient expense rate is available. Like daily testing that you can get back quickly, that you can run yourself, that is not like just overwhelmingly expensive is a way I can see we can have college football without a bubble. Until then, it's it's hard to see a path there. Yeah, they're going to try to find a path. We'll see. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, they're going to try. All right. Well, who's who's not trying? California high schools. They punted to the spring. Georgia pushed it back two weeks. There's <laughs> <laughs> America. 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 Here in the great yep. state of Michigan, they're just playing. Let's do it. Uh, at least that's the plan now. I don't know. Interested on the the California thing, uh, football and basketball now pushed to the to the to the spring. Now, for our purposes in college sports, we're interested in the recruits. Now, the the top top line guys are are already known and are already heavily recruited, but the base, the the core of college football of a college football roster is is there's a lot of recruiting being done, but there's not really offers. And, you know, it's a silent offer. It's kind of an offer. And then they watch their senior film. They see how they grew. They see how their thing. And then they, they and by, you know, you sign and you get your whole team. If they're, and I don't know, I don't know where this extend. I don't know if the Texas is talking about not having a college football or high school football season in the fall. How in the world is this going to affect recruiting? Because without game tape of your senior year, without the seven on sevens and the camps and all of that, without the ability to really take campus visits, uh, you know, this is going to be an enormous challenge and could be a real, like just a wild impact on who's going where, who you get, if you've got the wrong kind of scouting or the wrong info, you could take a bunch of kids that can't play for you. And, and at the same time, you could get kids that are really good that aren't, that shouldn't normally be playing for you. This is like a, a minefield and an opportunity to me if these big states don't play college, high school football uh, and then you're trying to sign guys late or you're trying to figure it out. Like, I mean, you could be, you could be signing really good players next May, June, like the, you know, grabbing, grabbing guys in, in, in late spring, which never happens. So whole recruiting calendars uh, in flux, right? Totally. No, this, I mean, everything re- re- related to recruiting is, is thrown up in the air. And yeah, in California now, you're, you are looking at this and saying, we have got very little to evaluate guys on. And, and for male athletes ages 16, 17, you are, there is a lot going on in terms of physical maturation mental and emotional maturation as well, but but that can turn you into a different looking player than what they have seen, what they're seeing what they saw on film that's a year old or a year and a half old or whatever. So this, I mean, I I do not envy recruiters trying to to wade through this situation, who they want to cast their their 25 scholarships on and who they don't. And I just think we're going to be looking, there's going to be more mistakes made and there's going to be even more transfers. We've seen you know, the transfer market skyrocket. Well, it's going to be even higher after this. And I don't think, you know, boy, if if the if the immediate transfer waiver doesn't pass in January, I think that everybody's going to get a waiver because all you got to do is just hold up a sign that says virus. That's my that's my reason why I couldn't make my visits. I couldn't you know, I couldn't make a good decision. This is where I chose. Now I need to, to leave. So I just think that it's going to be this is almost like a just cast lots out there, see what happens, and then do it all over again for a lot of people in a year. Yeah, and, and I think that that's a good point. By the way, Pat's been talking a lot with his hands lately. It's been fun to see. He When he did those like ascending and descending <laughs> charts, I think the 40s those have been playing a lot of twist. Yeah, I think the 40s have been playing a lot of twister at home during the pandemic because Pat looked like he, he had some new <laughs> new flexibility there, maybe a little more yoga in his life. Um, <laughs> I really think from from the macro to, to take Pat's point and, and, and double on this uh, to, to go with the recruiting piece, I think college athletics are going to look radically different in two years. And we haven't spent as much time looking at it because, you know, 90 percent of the attention of everything that's happened in the past four months has been towards the virus and rightfully so. But if you look at the upcoming transfer rules are expected to pass in January. If you look at name, image, and likeness that that are supposed to pass in some semblance um, in the upcoming months, 
And you look at the obviously the, the the social injustice issues that have really impacted the environment pretty significantly in a short period of time. With, like when we mercifully and hopefully wake up in two years and are back to some sort of normal, like the college athletics as we know them are going to be indelibly changed. Uh, just quick update on the NFL thing. We said that NFL was going to test daily. They're testing daily for the first two weeks of training camp. And okay. that's it. And mm-hmm. then if the rate drops uh, low enough for players, uh, it'll go to every other day. And then it may tear down after that. Do, do they define low enough? I mean, is there a... Nobody under ever... 5%. Okay. Okay. And then everyone will have... Uh, there's a bunch of different things. They're spending a fortune on it, though. Oh, breaking news real quick. Bill Hancock was just quoted in a Dennis Dodd story. Clearly listening to the podcast. Quote, when you're in the middle of a blizzard, you think it's going to snow forever, but it's not. August, we'll get here. <laughs> End quote. It's a big fan there of you go. The Wetzel Blizzard analogy coming from his good friend, Bill Hancock. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, listening, Bill. You guys vacation together, Dan, don't you? Is that where he picked that up? He picked that up in well, Traverse yeah. City, sipping a bush light with you on the dock? Yeah, I think something like that. He's a good man. <laughs> good guy. Good guy. Nice man. I, the blizzard, the, the blizzard, the middle of the blizzard. It does feel like it'll snow forever. See, I don't know about that. But he lives in Kansas. They got a lot of blizzards out there. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just think this is going to be wild. I mean, this 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 whole bit. Uh, wh- one other thing as we go back, the the point, uh, wh- do you think the NCA, like what are they going to do with these non-revenue sports? Our focus is on football, people listening on football. But with Title IX and, and different, just the the quote-unquote optics that always matter, I mean, how do you how do you do daily testing on field hockey teams and all? Like, how do you afford all this stuff? Or do you think the NCAA will bail these schools out and well, that's cancel a good the question. season or do something? Because it's it, it's like I said there, it's it, the Giants only care about the Giants. They also do not have eleven other sports playing this fall. It's just, right. it's just the New York Giants, and so yeah. and they're gonna and they're and they're freaked. That's the thing. Like the New York Giants, it's not a small operation. Is not sure how to do this, and they don't have all these other things. So if they don't know, uh, it would certainly be a lot easier if you didn't have to do the other sports. But how do you do that legally? See, that's the thing. I, I mean, the question's legitimate, but you can't just say because you're field hockey, you don't get tested as much. Now, if you're like they put out these risk rankings, like low risk, moderate risk, high risk sports, and if you're in a high risk sport, which is football. All the other high-risk sports have to be tested at this commensurate level. I just don't see how you could possibly get away with saying, ah, we just don't care about you enough to test you every day if we're going to test everybody else or, you know, or, or once a week or twice a week or whatever the number is. So they, they will be duty-bound, I think, to, to do that level of testing for everyone who applies to that level of risk. And again, that's where expense becomes prohibitive at a time when revenues are plummeting. I don't want to be a college administrator right now. I don't want to be an AD. I don't want to be a president. I don't want to be anybody involved in having to make these kind of decisions. But Title IX, the federal law, and I would think some level of common decency and everybody on campus who pays attention to whether or not the non-revenue sports are treated as well as the revenue sports will be paying attention. And one of the few shows of power, leadership, et cetera, that the NCAA has they will in the next two weeks push the fall championships across the board. And see, it's like classic NCAA to wait for the decision to be made for it before it actually makes a decision. They would never be forward thinking and bold. They will just basically wait till everything's made and then pat themselves on the back for a good job when they make the obvious decision. And the decisions by the America East, by the Big East, by the Atlantic 10, the WCC, and and we could fill in some blanks if you wanted, for all of them to push their fall sports back is going to essentially nudge the NCAA in the, in the upcoming weeks after I'm sure many Zoom calls and deliberations to push their fall championships back. Now, obviously, you know, our, our, our frequent listeners would know the college football playoff is not run by the NCAA. It's run by uh, a television contract through a conglomeration of all the conferences. So it, it allows the leaders around college athletics to really focus on football, which financially is all that really matters. And quite frankly, the ADs, I think, would be happy to just focus on what really matters right now. And, and so 
that way there's some of the some of the what about women's soccer questions get brushed aside and they can lock in on uh you know on the on the on the one sport that could save a multi-billion dollar business it's it's a funny bit because it's you know the obvious thing as well all the sports are equal all the kids are trying hard they're all students at this university everything's equal and it's like yeah but one pays the bill what are we going to do how do we figure this out because without football there isn't the others and uh it's dicey it's dicey um all right back to recruiting we're all over the place today school that is doing really well i wanted to talk a little recruiting today it's always recruiting season, even in a pandemic. Uh, Ohio all got, State. <laughs> it's all we got. Ohio State just uh, just landed uh, defensive back out of Georgia, Jordan Hancock, four star, who had been committed to Clemson, decommitted from Clemson, which is a rarity. Clemson, they like to brag; their guys don't don't bail out. He did, and he committed to Ohio State. Now, you know, it's one player, but they are on a tear. They continue to be on a tear. They have three five-star recruits of uh, just the 17 that Rivals has. Rivals only has 17. Respect Mike Farrell and all of his guys for not loading up with 50, 65 stars and giving those things away. Usually they end up with about 30, but he said, unless I watch him personally in our camps, which all got canceled, or a lot of them not giving out that fifth star. So Ohio State has three of the top 17 recruits. They've got a bunch of guys. They're number one in every single recruiting ranking. and. I guess what I wanted to ask was to me, the one of the questions on Ryan day taking over for urban Meyer was, could he keep up that level of recruiting? So I don't think there's any question that urban Meyer is one of the two or three best coaches of this generation. He's, you know, he's won multiple national championships at multiple schools, undefeated seasons, done a tremendous job. And so you take over for him and even a little bit of a step back is, is somewhat forgivable. It's hard to be, Urban Meyer, other than Dabo and, and Saban, none have been. And Dabo hasn't done it as long. So you're looking at this recruiting, and they're recruiting as good, if not better, than what they were doing when Urban Meyer had it rolling. And so I thought that's a a, a big step for Ryan Day. And this this recruiting class that's coming together, if it holds up, is uh, is a real show of force for him and, and Ohio State. Yeah, I really uh, I really think it's been impressive, Dan. What what they've been, been what they've been able to do for, from a recruiting standpoint. And uh, you know, the, the biggest knock on Ryan Day taking over that job was he didn't have the aura of Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer walks in your living room if you're in L.A., Atlanta, Dallas. He's the you know the guy who coached Tim Tebow, the guy who coached Alex Smith, the guy who won multiple uh, three national titles. Like that is a sell in itself. Ryan Day is the Ohio State coach, but he doesn't have the aura. And so what they've been able to do as a staff, and for this latest flip, I give Kerry Combs credit. They brought Kerry back from the uh, from the NFL and the, the staff shakeup from last year to be the defensive coordinator, is R- Ryan Day has put the same amount of time and energy into recruiting that, that Urban Meyer did. And then obviously assembled the staff, especially Mark Pantone, who is, uh, who's obviously the, uh, director of, uh, director of recruiting there. He's been around a long time and, you know, really is one of the best three guys in that space in the country. And, and they've been able to not miss a beat, which is really a, really a stunning, uh, really a stunning thing. I mean, the, the biggest thing that, that yields recruiting success is, is, is results. And if you just look back at, Look at the defensive back position where they, they flipped a kid from Clemson from. Jeff Okuda, first-round pick in 2020. Damon Arnett, first-round pick in 2020. You go back to 2018, Denzel Ward, fourth pick in the draft. Marshawn Lattimore in 2017, 11th pick in the draft. Eli Apple in 2016 was the uh, number 10 pick in the draft. And then uh, you know, then you go back a little bit further, you got Bradley Bradley Roby, and that's kind of pre, pre-Meyer recruiting. But you really just have like, a brand almost of defensive backs. So that breeds more defensive back recruits and more success. And so, you know, I, I, I give them a lot of credit for keeping that momentum going. Yeah. The thing that impresses me is that, you know, urban, one of his great successes at Ohio state was branching them out and making them a true national force in recruiting. You know, they got to the point where they could go to Florida and they could go to Texas and they could get guys, uh, from all over. They're by far the most successful of any Midwestern program with that other than Notre Dame, which, you know, has just always operated that way. Uh, but now, I mean, they they have expanded it, I think, even more under Ryan Day uh, to the point now they, they can recruit nationally the way Alabama, Clemson, 
Notre Dame, anybody does, maybe the best of any of them. Here's the list of guys that they've got. The number of this is the some of the states where they've gotten guys from in this current 2021 commitment class. Georgia, Arizona, Kentucky, Florida, Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, Missouri, Texas, and Colorado. And really interesting, since the pandemic shut everything down, which I always refer to March 12th as the date that happens, all of their commitments have been out of state. And they've gotten four four-star DBs in the last four months. I mean, they're going and getting people from wherever at a time when everything is shut down. So their reach uh, is impressive, very, very impressive. And this time when you think maybe you got to pull it in and stay closer to home to get guys or, or guys from cl- want to stay closer to home, that's not what Ohio State's doing. One more thing to add on, on, the, D, on the DBs. So Kerry Combs comes back from the Titans where he'd been uh, defensive backfield coach. Kerry Combs is one of the most unique characters in college football that I've ever met. Pat, have you been around him? Oh, yeah, I love him. He's just a fierce ball of energy. The best Kerry Combs story I've ever heard was that he has, you know, that thing, the perfect push up like the infomercial. So when Kerry Combs works out in the Ohio State weight room, he uses the perfect push up. And in between his sets of perfect push ups, he drinks hot coffee. (laughs) Yeah. True story. Black coffee. Right. Hot black coffee (laughs) to cool down. That describes the energy of Kerry Combs to it. (laughs) Kills the COVID. Kills the COVID. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The two of their three five stars are from out of state, you know, so it's uh, impressive, impressive um, uh, recruiting hall for Ohio State. They're doing doing really well. And Ryan Day is obviously connecting with these players in uh, in in a in a way that's uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer esque, if you will. Uh, The other big recruiting news the last week since we're doing recruiting talk was the uh, Brockermeyer twins of Texas, James and Tommy, choosing to go to Alabama, both Ohio uh, offensive linemen, I'm sorry. Tommy's a five-star, James is a four. I wonder if that's like a sibling bitterness over that. I don't know. There's three inches uh, difference in height, too, so they guarantee there's uh, some sibling bitterness over that. Yeah, but the younger one would have to have a hard, the smaller one would have to have a hard time there fighting up uphill yeah. i don't know anyway let's let's create let's create some uh brotherly discord because why not we're just a, such a nice podcast anyway congrats on both <laughs> of them uh their dad played at texas though they're from texas texas is not doing terribly in recruiting they got the 12th best class but uh, you hate seeing guys that good walk out of the state to go to alabama uh ohio state also has a five-star offensive lineman from from the state it should I, I don't really know what to discuss with Alabama getting five star players. I mean, of course, dog bites one of the, man. Yeah, here we go. Shoot off a flare, whatever. Any concern in Texas, or is there enough kids and they can close and do fine? Or, or is this you would have thought maybe they'd have it rolling a little better? I mean, I guess I could pick on Texas Christian for not getting them, or anybody Texas A and M, or anybody else. But um, Texas is where they had a legacy going. So, is there any? Any worry with Tom Herman? Okay, cool. Hook him. I don't know how applicable it is here because I have not watched Brockermeyer brother O-line high school film, thank God. But there's a great saying in recruiting, take the calf to get the cow. And I don't know if it applies here, but that's one of my favorite things where you take like the middling six man on a high school basketball team to get his best friend who's the stud or his brother who's the stud or whatever it is. So anyway, that's like one of the great little sayings in the in the recruiting lexicon. So I just wanted to it just put a smile on my face thinking about it today. You know, like it's a bad day for for Herb Hand, the line coach at Texas, to, to lose those guys. They were clearly priority targets for, for the program all along. Texas is 12th right now in recruiting, which is about where Texas should be. They should be higher probably, but they're. First in the Big 12, and they only have one O-line recruit. So you've got to think there was there was some space to take these guys, and they're going to have to accommodate otherwise. Um, that's been a pretty distinct weakness since Tom Herman took over the program. They've taken multiple grad transfers. Their O-line was just dysfunctionally horrific that first, uh, that first season they were there. It has gotten moderately better, but by no means would you say it's been, uh, it's been dominant in any way or a strength in any way. And Texas, quite frankly, just hasn't produced a lot of NFL offensive linemen in the past 20 years. It was really a defining weakness of Mac Brown. They went through a long stretch of not getting anybody drafted in, in that, in that spot. And now maybe some of it like Texas doesn't produce the alignment it used to because of all the spread they play. I, I doubt it. There's good offensive linemen in Texas. So that Texas needs to do better there. 
Yeah, I, again, I don't know what was in the, uh, you know, the hearts and minds of the Brockermeyer twins, but that, that's got to hurt. And it's got to, you know, this is the thing. And again, I don't know if this was the deciding factor in their recruitment, but guys that are really, really good want to play in the NFL and they want to go to places that can tell them we will get you to the NFL. You go back and look at Alabama recent history in that area. If you're an offensive lineman, Jedrick Wills was the number 10 player picked in the last draft. The year before that, Jonah Williams was the number 11 player picked. Uh, in 2017, Cam Robinson, offensive tackle, was a second round pick. The year before that, Ryan Kelly was a first round pick. And you can go back through the years. Cyrus Quanjo, second round. DJ Fluker and, the, and Chance Warmack both in the top 11. I mean, they get offensive linemen drafted. And that's a selling point that if you can't match up to that, if you're Texas, that's that's probably hurting you. I don't know whether, again, I, I can't say definitively it hurt them with these guys, but it it's not something that's going to help you if you can't show that you can get on, uh, alignment to the NFL. So I just Googled calf cow recruiting just to see if there were any examples of that. And I got an article from from Beef Magazine. Treat your cows like five-star recruits. And I'm immediately going to get that's a subscription what you had in to Beef mind. Magazine. Nope, it, it wasn't. But they do have a football what? picture there. Um, what magazine? What beef, magazine? B-E-E-F. Beef Magazine. <laughs> don't, beef Magazine. Don't wow. tell HR because that could just go some wrong ways. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that that had a whole different meaning. <laughs> yeah. If someone don't write, don't try to put that subscription on your expense uh, report. Okay. That's it. It's a good tip. From someone who is the master of Yahoo expense reports, I appreciate all the sage advice. <laughs> beef ma beef magazine. Wow. That, that, that was scary. Well, well, that is a all right. Treat treat your cattle like five-star recruit. All right. Well, I got one more recruit. Okay. But mm -hmm. he's not a recruit yet. He's okay. not a recruit yet. But you may have heard of him. This is from a, a little football family down in Louisiana. Uh, his name is Arch Manning. Mm. Last mm -hmm. name sounds familiar. Grand, yeah, sounds familiar. They play a little ball. The family plays a little ball. Grandson of Archie. Nephew of Eli. Nephew of Peyton. Son of Cooper. Uh, Arch Manning is uh, 2023, so he's going to be a sophomore. He threw uh, 34 touchdowns as a freshman at Isidore Newman, the, the Manning family high school, basically. Uh, and so uh, I'm sure there's been other graduates, is, uh, by the way. Like, it's a pretty prestigious private school down there. <laughs> other people went there? I don't know that anyone did. I think it's just... Doesn't matter. It's, it's a homeschool <laughs> run out of their uh, run out of the conservatory in the Manning does, family. Just keep going. We need... All, have you seen NFL quarterback play? We need more Mannings. <laughs> More Mannings, fewer McCowns, right? Yes. Eli has been a massive disappointment by only having daughters. Come on, Eli. <laughs> Peyton's got a son. We need coach him up. We need more Mannings. Okay. So Arch Manning is, uh, and I watched. I have watched film on Arch Manning. Arch Manning can. He <laughs> looks pretty good for a freshman. Check this stuff out. He looks like someone who came out of the womb throwing a football, and then has some excellent uh, coaches. The um, he's not allowed to be recruited. Check this out. The the Manning family's like, no, there will be no recruiting. His quote is, we're not doing that right now. I think it was. I got to find in the story. Excellent story on uh, Rivals.com about this. But uh, basically, coaches are not allowed to call him. Uh, he's not visiting anywhere. He's just uh, he's just doing his uh, thing. There's a lot that goes into recruiting. It's all about the best fit. We're not going into it much yet. I want to enjoy my high school experience, and that's what I'm doing. Wherever I go, I know they'll support me. It's good. It's good to be Arch Manning. You kind of just know everybody wants you. But zero recruiting. Cooper Manning, Father of the Year, trying to keep yeah. things. Yeah, like you know, he didn't want the attention on his son, which is why I named him Arch Manning. <laughs> 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 and name, made him a quarterback and sent him to Isidore. Oh, no one will notice. Just be real, blend in. He'll totally blend in. Oh, darn no. it. He's good. Um, the word got out. So good job by Cooper, who we like. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, you may not be any recruiting on Arch, but we're going to talk about recruiting Arch. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this because this is going to be the greatest. It's going to be one of the all time great recruiting derbies. And we're going to be in on it. This is like. 
This is Southern royalty, man. <laughs> I am proposing. Yeah, we we cover this obsessively as a podcast until he commits, and then we go to the Kingpin Bar in New Orleans and get Cooper and do a live pod from there because Cooper has been known to visit the Kingpin. Cooper is a lot of fun. He is a fun guy, funny guy, uh, has been very protective of his son for good reason, you know, has really tried to make sure that he's kind of built a little bit of a uh, protective cocoon around him from an attention standpoint, really hasn't wanted too much too soon because he's seen it all. I mean, you know, it's not like... They need some ego boost of, hey, people are talking about my son. They're already going to talk about him, and he knows what it's like to be from a famous football family. So it'll happen on their terms, but by golly, we'll be there at the end. The podcast will be there. I think we should be there for the commitment announcement. Well, I, I have sources close to the Manning recruitment who've told me that Cooper has actually been in touch with Pat Forty, who you know had a similar situation with his daughter, Brooke, who's now a swimmer at Stanford. Pat had to hold off Swim Swam magazine because they were so all over Brooke during her recruitment. Pat had to set up certain times in certain areas. So I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of connectivity in those, uh, in, in those two places as, as those recruitments are, are very similar on a very similar plane. Oh, the swim paparazzi, relentless. You know, just you <laughs> couldn't step out of the house without being swarmed. To try to find out who's leading. Who's leaning? Where are we going? Where are you going? What are you thinking? Yeah, swim, swam has to know. <laughs> so let, let's uh, let's go through the uh, you know the the contenders here. All right, I think in our hearts we want Tulane to come through. To oh yeah, write your own legacy, make your own story. They'll. They'll, they'll name a street after you in the French Quarter, uh, even though Tulane's uptown. You get the point. LSU, obviously, there's going to be a huge tug down the road from Coach O. You know, Coach O could be a senator by then, too. So maybe he'll just have like an internal state mandate to, to send him there. Ole Miss, obvious reasons. Uh, you got uncle and a grandpa there. And dad was a dad was a good receiver there until injuries hurt his career. Tennessee, for obvious reasons. Don't sell David Cutcliffe short. Like, this could be the bow in, in Cutcliffe's legacy. Duke's not a bad school either. And you could, there's some normalcy at Duke too. You could hide a little bit there. Um, and then, you know, Stanford, all jokes aside, like that is the place where the sons of famous Americans and daughters of famous Americans have gone. You know, high profile stars like John McEnroe and Tiger Woods have obviously thrived there. Chelsea Clinton went to school there. I think Steve Jobs' son went there. There's just been that that place has been the perfect incubator. If you want your son to live a normal, uninterrupted life because of his family's fame, there's no better place in America to go than that. Well, they definitely won't care if he's at the football facility. I mean, yeah, not even, no one's going to show up. Yeah, Stanford's a good, it's a good counter to all the local fans that get all over you. You know, like you go down to the, you go, you're a high school kid, you go down and get a, the burger place and the manager, why don't you go to State U? And you say, well, I'm going to Stanford. Right. And then it's, it's like shuts them off because the <laughs> academics are so good. That ends the argument real quick. You know, there are all these schools. Oh, we got an honors college here now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> not really. Um, not compared to Stanford. Yeah. I, Stanford is a possible, I guess. I don't know. We're just making this up. We're See, literally yeah. making up we're, recruiting. We're here. totally making it up. Since they're not going to do it, we'll do it for all them. Right, what, That's what we're here. What SEC, if let's keep them in the South. Okay. Okay. Which school would be he least likely to attend in the AC in the SEC? Well, no S, no ACC schools allowed. Sorry, Clemson. I think Clemson will have a, a crack, but we'll see. Mississippi State is that the least yeah. likely spot? Is it? Yes. Is, no, I mean at least you have no Mike Leach. You're gonna get Mike Leach. Like at least you 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 know yeah, your son's gonna the throw the ball ten thousand times a season for four seasons there. So I would think they're they're more likely. Definitely Lane Kiffin has a chance because he's already in the DMs, right? You know what I mean? Like Lane is already ignoring all the rules the parents set up and doing that. I would say the least likely school is South Carolina. I mean, what quarterback heritage does South Carolina have? You can't, you cannot be a legend at Ole Miss. Two of them, your uncle and your grandfather. He's named after Archie Manning. Archie, the speed limit on the campus of Ole Miss is 18 because of Archie Manning's number. You can't then go to Mississippi State. Yeah, no, that's not happening. I don't care who the coach is or how many times they throw the ball, especially in a system that isn't necessarily pro-friendly. Uh-uh, no. Mississippi State is out. There are some more hand signals. Sorry. Pete. Oh, stop. It's not 2004. The system isn't pro-friendly. It worked pretty well for Gardner Minshew. Like, that's I, one. That's you know. one. 
That's one. I would also <laughs> throw Alabama in there. Archie does not like Alabama. Handed him his worst loss at Ole Miss. Eli had some trouble with Alabama. Peyton doesn't like Alabama. I, I, there's not a whole lot of love for the Tide in the Manning family. Is it is it in the family cellar or is that your Alabama heat? Yeah, we're we're hearing a little bit of orange tinted version of the Manning experience here. Manning family insider. Sully the producer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You want to know that you're doing a midsummer podcast is when you're making up completely making up recruiting <laughs> speculation and then yelling on a at high each school other about sophomore the to be oh, a sophomore. Who's yeah. Kurt? Whose family is not allowing recruiting right now? <laughs> That's it. The less they allow, the more room there is for us. We're taking over. Wow, this. this is going to be awesome. We are going to cover it. So there you go. Arch, you are free to call in. Cooper, we'll take any Manning. Any of them. Eli. Olivia, isn't that the Peyton, mom? Olivia Manning. This is, it. this is going to be your Grandma? ground yeah. zero, central location for Arch Manning. Could change the fortunes of entire uh, states. It's going to be incredible. Kid can throw a ball. Go go online and check it out. It's 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 pretty good tape. I mean, he's like 14. It's like, holy cow. All right. That's got to be our podcast. We are literally out of topics. Well, we got a few. We had, we'll, we'll do, this was silly enough. We'll do we'll do this. The stupid well, stuff. That, we'll save it. Uh, I think we're still we're still riding the afterglow of the Guntown kangaroo surviving. So that's going to carry the yeah. news, news of the silly yeah, for, I mean, for two weeks, you know, for, for two episodes. It's true. And I bet he gets loose again down and. For Lauderdale. Yeah. Makes a run for the beach. Guys trying to go to the beach and they don't let them. They put them in a cop car. This is a plea to our listeners. Shoot us some, tweet us some, sweet us some news of the weird. We need, we need some, we need some juice here. Like, yeah, we need, you guys are in the nooks and crannies of America. You're out there. We know. Okay, give us your local news. We got some problems. All right. Uh, please subscribe and, uh, Leave us nice reviews, and uh, hope you all have a good week. We will talk to you all uh, later in the week. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.